Live from the Bunkhouse Saloon in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Bunkhouse! The reason we have the name Bug House is in 1911, the country was in a, in, in a turmoil. Political unrest and partisanship was at a high. And people couldn't argue without getting incredibly angry and emotional. And there were riots in the street. And in Washington Square Park in Chicago, a bunch of radicals and free thinkers and angry people as well and anarchists, they got the idea that if they just set up soapboxes, got up and debated the issues of the day, perhaps they would make a bit more traction. It was so radical that they called it Bug House. Washington Square Park was called Bug House Square, which was a pejorative for a mental hospital, a bug house. Everybody's crazy over there, but that's what they did. In the 50s, Studs Terkel realized that we were in, as a country, a place where nobody could actually have a rational civil argument. It was so charged and so angry and so emotional that he reinvented Bug House Square in the 50s in Washington Square Park. We are now in 2019 and we're back to that place where we cannot have a civil disagreement online or any, well, they didn't have fucking Facebook, which makes it worse, but we can't do it anymore. So David Himmel, who is the co-editor of Literate Ape, and I decided, let's do a show that we could do anywhere and not have to be in Washington Square Park and like outside in Chicago where the weather is ridiculous, not as ridiculous as 110 degrees, but okay. And so thus, Bug House. We've done about a year and a half, two years in Chicago. We just started here in April at the Bunk House. Thank you, Ryan Party. Thank you, Ryan Party. And the Bunk House. And that's Bug House. All right, I will tell you, we have six performers. Each one of them is paired off with an opponent. We have three topics. None of them got to choose the topic they were arguing, nor the side of the topic they were arguing. The first topic, we're going to have Pearson Brown and Terry S., and they will argue art. Are we allowed to enjoy the work of criminals? Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Pearson. I am an artist. Um, I paint, and I do sculptures, and I'm uh, really into art history, and uh, I've noticed two things a lot uh, when it comes to art. It's one that... Uh, Art is kind of integral to everyday life, and that art is judged differently than the way that we judge everything else in the world. Um, as for being integral to everyday life, um, has anyone ever bought an item at all? Yes. Yes? Cool, cool. That was designed by a person. person sat down, drew that up, an artist made that. So if you've ever done anything with anything that's been made, you've dealt with art. And as for... Um, <clears throat> Let me grab a drink real quick. I got items. Hey, this guy's got items. Items. Um, as for the uh, double standard, I've noticed that we always tend to have this idea that art needs to be a luxury item. So when it comes to art, you can separate if you want this art or not, but um, that doesn't really make sense if we also hold the rest of the world to that standard. I often think about um, electricity, which was, uh, you know, not made by, but, you know, found by Thomas Edison, and he created the AC current. Um, he also was a philanderer, a philander, yeah, philanderer, and uh, killed an elephant for science, of course. But he did electrocute an elephant to death. So if you do think that we can't ever use anything by uh, bad people, we need to stop using electricity immediately. So if you can cut that off, Don, thank you. Um, also another great thing uh, that made by awful people, uh, America. Has anyone ever heard of it? Um, I just found out that apparently George Washington had slaves. So uh, ugh. can't do America, can't do freedom, can't do democracy, because 
made by a bad person. Um, I think that's fair. Uh, and uh, I, I, I really think that the main reason that art is hold, held to this standard that like we can dissect it and we're allowed to say like what gets to be social art, what gets to be in the, the social sphere, and it's because we have this parasocial relationship with art and artists. Whenever you buy a painting or you, you deal with some kind of uh, art, be it like theater or even like YouTube videos, you tend to grow a relationship with this person. And it's one-sided. That person does not know who you are and they don't give a fuck about you. But you tend to grow onto them. You start to love them. You watch all their videos. You go to all their showings. And you start to grow a relationship with them. So when they do something bad, that affects you. You think like, oh, I'm a person, he's a person, so I can cut him off because he did this bad thing. And um, that's just not how life works. Uh, you know, we have a lot of stuff that has been bad and been done by bad people, but we still need it for life. I mean, I, you've bought a house, right? Do you have a house or a car? Yes. Yes, you have a house, right? So do you know who built it, who designed your house? Nope. Okay, what if I maybe told you that, uh, the guy who made your house murdered someone. Would you sell your house? No way. Why not? Because <laughs> I just put it in a hot tub. Oh, well, <laughs> all right, so obviously this, what's your name, sir? Anthony. Anthony. Anthony's line is at the hot tub. But who, who designed the hot tub? Ooh, good question. Could have been a murderer as well. But then we get to another interesting question, which is, is it bad if he murdered a person before? or afterwards? What if he designed the hot tub, you bought the design for the hot tub, made the hot tub, then he murders someone? Do we have to cancel his future work and his past work or just his past work? I think that uh, if we're talking about are we allowed to separate art and the artist, like, yeah, we're allowed to, duh, like, come on. Um, you're allowed to do whatever you want. And I, I think that most people, given any time of the day, would do that with most of the things that they own. But there's this special idea that um, art is different somehow. And uh, I'm not really sure. I, I, I personally think that when you look at how you should separate art and the artist, it has to do with cultural context and what was going on at the time. Because if we just go by, by Don's definition, the criminal, what is a criminal? Technically. We shouldn't be reading Anne Frank's diary. She was a criminal, so gotta cut that out. Um, and, and most of the like civil rights leaders were in, in jail a bunch of times. You know, uh, MLK did cheat on his wife, so that's a criminal offense in some states. I'm not sure if it's probably not in Vegas, though. We're, we're probably good here. Um, I, I think that you really have to look at things separately and differently, and each each situation is different. And so. Yeah, you can, and maybe you shouldn't always separate the artist and the art, and maybe you shouldn't never separate the artist's art, but there is a bit of room for it. So um, I actually wanted to finish this off, and this is so weird that you said this earlier, I was going to finish it off with some interpretive dance, <laughs> just to get my point across, um, mainly because I felt like I could get it across really cheap. I still have time, right? You do. You okay, okay, I'm going to just... <laughs> I just realized, oh, I just realized this is an audio medium for a podcast. So what I'm going to do is describe what I would do in the dance so that the people listening can understand. So um, this is set to the song In the Eyes of an Angel. Um, so it's a, in the eyes. And I'm laying on the ground like, like, a, like a dead scarecrow. And then I rise up like a spooky ghost. And then I start flapping my wings like so many hummingbirds, just And then I scoop down and I lay an egg. Then I pick up the egg and I look at it. Is the egg me? Am I the egg? I go to the left side of the stage, your left, not my left. And then I set the egg down. I look at it some more. Are we the same? I whisper, but not, but not really. I say it with my mouth, just mime it. Then I pull out a gun and I aim it at the egg, and then I shoot the egg. But I don't have any bullets in my gun, so I go grab a different gun, and I try to shoot the egg. But this one, it's a water gun. <laughs> so I pick up the egg, and then, I, and then I cradle it for a few minutes. And 
And then I set the egg down and I roost on it for about eight to 12 minutes. Then I start fanning my butt like it's hot. And then I put the egg into my mouth and I eat it. And then I digest it for a while and I do some of this. It's like Then I pull out my own heart and I look at it. Is that me? Is that the egg? Are we the same? Thank you. You heard the argument in favor of separating the artist and the art. Enjoying that. Now we go for the counterpoint. Terry S., give her a hand. Everybody, come on. Can I take this out? You can, because I, I don't have it connected. Oh, good. So are we allowed? But don't move, but don't move, but don't move this out. That's I'm so used to that. There you go. Oh, we're allowed to touch the microphone? Tonight you are. You're like, I should have stroked it a little bit. I would have been called a criminal. Are we allowed to like the, the work of criminals? Right? Depends on the crime. Drugs? Then I'd be a criminal. <laughs> but I think when you get into the more serious ones, like rape, which is like one of the biggest trespasses you can do to another being, right? And then there's murder. Somebody came in and murdered your girlfriend in your house, would you move? <laughs> Only if the prices were right, right? You would, that would, that's a big trespass. And then, you, so you have rape, you have murder, and the other horrible things people can do to you is like Nickelback and Vanilla Ice. <laughs> right, right? We should, like, let me give you an example. It's hard to determine between art and artists if I was to go to a baker that I really loved the sourdough bread, and he was super, a super famous baker, and there was always a line out the door, if I found out he was a rapist, there would be no question like that I would get the fuck out of there. Because, you know, he could have been like Louis C.K. and the sourdough bread or something. Uh, special taste, right? You would, you would automatically Leave that baker. And it might find, you might, hard to find a new one, but you can find one given the time. That's why the new artists come in. Or another example, long time ago, not that long ago, there was an artist who made these beautiful landscapes and portraits. And some people thought he was great. But that person turned out to be Adolf Hitler. <laughs> tainted? Are those, is that, that's tainted, right? You would let him into your house. You would question everything he did. Cosby, that's another one. If I listen to his stuff, great writer. When I know that his face is put on it, I don't want to have a drink with him. I look at the Cosby show in a completely different way. When he would give Rudy a little drink, I mean, what was in that drink? Oh, no. <laughs> right? R. Kelly. I believe I can fly. That's a God complex. <laughs> I mean, I used to really love the song, There's Nothing Wrong with a Little Bumping Grind. Right? We all love that song. Until you find out it was, it was with a young girl. Or it, was, it wasn't consensual, right? Totally different way of looking at his music. Like, he wrote Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. Do we look at him different? Do you want to be in a room with R. Kelly? <laughs> Do you want to take a drink from Bill Cosby? Who wants to be here with Henry Weinstein? Harvey Weinstein? Like, here's the thing, only if there was a part involved, right? I mean, you gotta give and take, right? So there are different degrees of what you can, what you are and are not allowed to like. Again, drugs, minor, minor little infractions. Suspended license, I wouldn't call a big criminal. Rape? Who's been raped? <laughs> this is the interpreted dance part. Um, <laughs> no! Uh, I'm just saying. I should read what I had on my cards, too. I wrote this, you know, I wrote this on the plane. But you can, here's the thing, you can never, you never know if somebody's a criminal. 
until it's retroactive, right? Like, they don't say, here's a singer and a rapist, welcome Michael Jackson. <laughs> Nobody says that. I mean, you found out afterwards, you look at his music a little different. We look at movies a little different, right? And it's like, oh my God, look at like Louis C.K., am I allowed to like his comedy? Oh, I know he jacked off in the plant before he came up, I don't know. <laughs> if they've done their time, maybe, but. There's, there's murder and rape, I think those, and Nickelback, again, Nickelback's, <laughs> I have a problem with Nickelback, I do, like, I don't know why people like them, but it's always men in power, it's all, they try and use their power to, to coerce, uh, to coerce you into something, don't they? It's usually men, and it's all in that same circle, they have a connection, it's like a circle jerk, right? It's the same people doing the same shit. I'm just saying, oh God, where are we? Oh, almost five, hey, look at that. <laughs> huh, genius versus evil, how do you just, which one's a genius, which one's evil? Hitler, genius maybe before 1944. Uh, <laughs> tainted, tainted, tainted art. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a pro-Hitler person, so I'm just saying, which, uh, <laughs> Like, if you accept their art, then you're accepting their persona, right? I am stuck to this. Jeez, the more interpreted dance. So, yeah, if you accept somebody's art, you have to look at what they do personally, right? Because would you want to be in a room with a murderer? Or a rapist? R. Kelly? Louis C.K., I could see, he asked, so that's okay. I forgive him, I forgive him. Um, <laughs> let's see. And how do we reconcile with people that we morally disgust? We don't buy their stuff. We don't really watch the stuff, their movies or their images the same way we do. And sometimes that's really, really hard to get by because if you turn on the radio, everything's connected. Not that you want to listen to them, you kind of have to bypass them. Is Bumping Grind still a great song? Yes. Yes. But now we know the meaning. <laughs> right? Oh, These kids are too young, they're like, Hills? What song is that? So, yeah, I'm almost there, right? Don't rape! And then you can have a career. Nobody wants to work with a rapist or a murderer because that looks, looks bad on you. It's not, it's not good for anybody's career, right? It's true. Like, I don't want to work with you if you're a rapist. We'll find out retroactively. Um, maybe, maybe. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not a rapist. Yet. Um, he did hand me my drink, though, earlier today. So I think it's kind of kicking in. Okay. I know that's ding. Ding. I'm Terry S. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right, let's get you to stay up here. Pierce, come on up. Does anybody in the audience have a question for either of our debaters or both? Anybody got a question for him? Technically, I'm a master. To clarify debater. their. I got, I got, I All right, got. yes. All right. Hitler wasn't a very good painter. Well, some people. But if Hitler made thrillers, would you listen? If Hitler made thriller, would you listen it, to it? And I assume this is to Terry. Yes. All right. It's tainted. It's taint. You don't look at art the same way once you know. Once you know what somebody's done. Would you please, just for one second, picture Hitler? <laughs> Would you love to picture Hitler doing something like that? Maybe, you know, history could have changed if we saw Hitler doing Thriller, right? Or moonwalking, or bump and grind, you know? Maybe if he got some more action. <laughs> that scene where he turns into a werewolf and yeah. it's just Adolf Hitler. Totally. <laughs> And, 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 and it's not narrated by Vincent Price, but, he still has but by the Goebbels. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, okay. Any other questions? Kevin! Yes. What's up? Who wins this debate? So, um, I would say that Pearson wins this debate. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right, tell us why. All right. Uh, consider this, for example. What if you have somebody who is on trial for a terrible crime? Okay, he's accused of, of killing his children or something. Mm -hmm. And he's also an artist. 
he's an abstract painter, let's say. Okay, and he's a very famous abstract painter, and everybody loves him. Except then this, this horrible crime uh, comes to the forefront, and, and people are doubting him. It turns out that it was not him who killed his children. It was the butler of their household or something like that. Always like a game the of Clue. Butler. Yeah. So, With the, the candlestick. So In the library? That, that particular person who was on trial still made that art. Does that make that art any, any, any less of a, um, of a creation that was brought into this world just for the fact that he was uh, taken, dragged through the mud by the public eye? And that's what we're seeing a lot of happening with people. But I would argue that you still have this, this work of art, right, that, that the general populace appreciated and thought it was, it was something to be adored, even though that person, go, and, and think about how many artists out there we don't know of may have done terrible things. A lot of them. Right. Terry. I didn't even mention that I had a whole bit about how all artists are bad people, because um, they are. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Every, every artist you know, anybody who paints is a bad person. Right. They're all criminals. But they're that. not all rapists or murderers. That but they are bad true. people. And, and that would be, if he was convicted, his work would be tainted. Exactly. Wait, so is the, is the line conviction? Well, you know, no, no, what I'm, what I'm saying. Oh, I was asking her. Right. I believe just, you, just I won. The, just for the sake, of this is, I, I'm with you. You've made your decision, let's move on. Pierce the Brown wins. The second topic, argued by Jimmy Hernandez and myself, identity politics empowering or destroying the progressive left. I will just say that this is an adaptation of folklore. <laughs> Mr. Bluebird's on my shoulder. It's a fact, it's actual. Everything is satisfactory. Hello, boys and girls. <laughs> Gather around to hear the tale of Brera Rabbit Pelosi and her nemesis, Brer Donald Fox. <laughs> it's a good one, but it don't end well. Now, that rascal Br'er Fox hated Br'er Rabbit on account of she was always cutting capers and bossing everybody around. So Br'er Fox, with his orange skin and comb over hair, decided to capture and kill Br'er Rabbit if it was the last thing he ever did. He thought and he thought and he tweeted and he retweeted until he came up with a plan. He would make a tar baby. Br'er Fox went and got some tar, and he mixed it with some turpentine, and he sculpted it into the figure of four young women of color, complete with congressional bona fides. Then he stuck a sign on the tar baby's chest that said, Radical Progressives, White Man Beware, and sat them in the middle of the road. <laughs> now, Br'er Fox after congratulating himself on making Mexico pay for the tar, although Mexico did not pay for the tar. Hid himself in the bushes near the road and he waited and tweeted and waited for Br'er Rabbit to come along. At long last, he heard someone whistling and chuckling to herself and he knew that Br'er Rabbit was coming up over the hill as she reached the top. Br'er Rabbit spotted the cute little tar babies Br'er Rabbit was surprised these women of color had beat the system and, like her, had come into the halls of power. Good morning, said Br'er Rabbit. It looks like you're part of my team. The tall babies, they said nothing. Br'er Fox laid low and had an evil grin. Br'er Rabbit tried again. What's on your legislative agenda? I sure would like to work with you, but we have a long battle in front of us, and we need to work together. We are first and foremost women of color. Second, we are far younger than you, and because we have huge social media followings and you do not, we will tell you that our identities will lead us to victory, so move out the way, old Jewish rabbit, the tar babies yelled out in unison. Br'er Fox grinned an evil grin and lay low in the bushes. Him, 
said Br'er Rabbit loudly, wondering if the Tar Babies were idiots. You understand that you are only four congressional votes and that your outrage and blinking condemnations are more polarizing than persuasive, right? That unless we are unified, our coalition will be split much like we had when both Hillary and Bernie running against each other, allowing Br'er Fox to sweep in Reagan-style and win the election, right? The Tar Babies tweeted out that Br'er Rabbit was racist for even questioning them or their massive Instagram following. They posted a Facebook status that claimed that while Br'er Rabbit was a doe, she was also a rabbit, and thus her opinion on such subjects were invalid due to her bunny privilege. Br'er Fox curled up in a ball to hide his laughter. His plan was working perfectly. Are you strategically stupid or just rage profiteers, demanded Br'er Rabbit, losing her temper. The tall babies just sat in the middle of the road looking as cute as buttons and saying nothing at all. Then the really popular one looked her right in the eye and whispered, white supremacist. Br'er Fox rolled over and over under the bushes, fit to bust because he didn't dare to laugh out loud. I'll learn you. Br'er Rabbit yelled. She took a swing at the cute little tar babies and a paw got stuck in the tar. Let me go or I'll hit you again, shouted Br'er Rabbit. The tar babies, they held a press conference and a rally. Fine, be that way, said Br'er Rabbit, swinging at the tar babies with a free paw. Now both her paws were stuck in the tar and Br'er Fox danced with glee behind them bushes. I'm gonna kick the stuffing out of you, Br'er Rabbit said, and pounced on the tar babies with both feet. They both sank deep into the tar babies. Br'er Rabbit was so furious she headbutted the cute little creatures till she was completely covered with tar and unable to move. Br'er Fox leapt out of the bushes and strolled over to Br'er Rabbit. Well, well, what have we here? He asked, evil, grinning an evil grin. Br'er Rabbit gulped. She was stuck fast. I got you this time, Br'er Rabbit, said Br'er Fox, jumping up and shaking off the dust. You sassed me for the very last time. Now, I wonder what I should do with you, Br'er Rabbit's eyes got very large. Oh, please, Br'er Fox, whatever you do, please don't tell Fox News that I'm one of the Tar Babies. Maybe I should pretend to respect you and refuse to give you a middle school nickname mused Br'er Fox. Maybe I'll tweet that those tar babies should just go back where they come from and force you to defend them and call me racist instead. Roast me! Hang me! Do whatever you please, said Br'er Rabbit. Only please, Br'er Fox. Please don't use this as the narrative of the election. The Democratic Party is not only for the issues of the French. These tar babies are only a tiny portion of the house and only represent a tiny portion of the country. If I'm going to hang you, I'm gonna need some string, said Br'er Fox, and I don't have any string in it, but North Carolina, North Carolina, it's not far away, so maybe I'll hold a rally. They'll chant racist things, and I'll deny I ever said anything racist because you and those tar babies are the real racists instead. Drown me, roast me, hang me, do whatever you please, said Br'er Rabbit. Only please, Br'er Fox. Please don't use your tweeting power and the inability of the media to ignore you to paint the election as you versus them. You see, Br'er Rabbit, can I call you Nancy? You see, Nancy, I was trained by none other than Roy Cohn. And if there's anything I know I can do, it's make tar babies for you all to get stuck in. While you're stuck and screaming about the tar, I can roll back EPA standards, eliminate DACA, add more conservative rapist justice to the Supreme Court, you name it. While you were fighting with them, I just restricted the ability of asylum, asylum site seekers, and you were too busy squabbling and getting stuck to even notice. Them tar babies think they can beat me at my own game, and they're wrong. I beat the most qualified candidate in the past 50 years, and you still underestimate me. My mouth is a weapon of mass distraction, and Br'er Fox laughed and laughed at his own joke. There is no brow patch in this story. Br'er Rabbit was stuck, covered in the tar of identity politics and the interest of less than 10% of voting age adults, most of whom won't vote anyways, because election day isn't on a Saturday, that's too inconvenient. That was Br'er Fox's plan all along. And it worked. Zip.
Take this off? Yes, you can. Thank you. First of all, can I move that? First of all. Yeah, Jimmy. Hey. 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 Uh, first of all, I want to give it up for that because only a white man <laughs> could get away with that shit in a fucking bar full of white people. Okay? There's, all right, come on. It's the only way you can get away with it. That's okay. I don't know. Let me tell you something. I, I'm glad all of this is happening because actually that shit wouldn't fly today. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So we're winning. The left wing is winning because that shit would not be happening today. First of all, let me tell you something. I'm gonna be honest with you people, okay? I um, identity politics, right? I had to Google this. See, I grew up in the hood in the south side of Chicago, so I was deprived of a lot of all this stuff that you probably know exactly what all this means, right? And I I don't. So I had to Google things. And this is the truth. So when you grow up with a family that doesn't speak about politics, that doesn't speak about anything but the home front, working, fixing your, the house, throwing out the garbage, that's it. That was all pretty much what I learned. Okay, so when I go out and I look at this stuff and I'm like, what take do I take on this? You know, what am I fighting for? But as I researched all this, I strongly believe that we are, in fact, all this with all the presidential campaign and all that, I think this is making us stronger to actually speak our voice, to fight for what we believe in, like gay rights, animal rights, everything. And I think so, yes, I think that we are winning. I think when Don went back to taking it back to way back to that, that race stuff, which is amazing because I, I, I still, I think that race is still around, of course, and will it ever leave? I, I hate to say this, no. I mean, unfortunately not because of the way people think and the way people are, but I also feel that we are winning at the same time, right? So it's funny because as Don was up here saying his, uh, his bit, like the, the lady right here, this very white, white lady was laughing her ass off, right? Very, very white lady. She was laughing, right? And like, I mean, I don't know how other people feel about this. I, I don't know if it makes people feel uncomfortable or not. I mean, I don't know. And you could, look, you could judge me and be like, oh, you didn't know what identity politics meant? I don't care, you can judge me, because that's what we do, right? But I'm gonna tell you the way I feel about it. So I feel like, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, I know I'm supposed to debate it and win, but I don't, I don't know how I feel, because I think there's a lot of people out here for the whole policies and why they, they want everybody to think the same. So I think each political party wants to gain your vote, not because they care, right? It's because they want your vote, you know? So when they're the left wing or the right wing is winning or not winning or pointing each other's fingers like, hey, you're good, hey, we're bad, this and this and that, it's all BS, okay? Because they just want to win you over. That's all it is. It's not because they really care about gay people. I care about gay people because I sometimes often think like a man, I wake up a morning wood, so, and I'm a woman, so I'm gonna support that because people have these thoughts and same thing with animals. So I was in Chicago, animals got their own magazine now. This would have never happened back in the day, you know what I'm saying? And think about this, so all I can say is about this is that at one point in time that women didn't have rights, okay? They couldn't even, they couldn't even get a credit card. They couldn't even, nothing, nada, okay? Everything was the man, the man, the man. Women, we need to start taking that back, right? And in the left wing, there are women in there that are fighting for that, to fight for us to, hey, speak your words, speak your mind, let's make a difference, let's make a change. So yes, do I believe that we are winning? Absolutely, because we have, we have advanced um, coming from a long time, right? And so there, there's that. It's funny enough, because I was actually watching uh, the film Jersey, Jersey Boys, yeah. about Frank, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, right? Yeah. And I was watching this, and their manager, he, um, job, uh, crew, Bob Crew, that was the manager, and he was gay, right? And in there, Bob, which, which was one of the Four Seasons, 
said, I knew there was something off about Crew because he acted weird, but at the time Liberace was out there and they thought that Liberace was very theatrical, right? He just wasn't, they didn't even know what gay was. It was like, oh, he's a very great performer, right? But it wasn't that, right? That's what they thought. They're like, oh, he's such a good performer and he's this. But he couldn't come out and he couldn't be that. In this day and age, we can. This day and age, we can come out. You can be what you want. You can be what you want. You could come up here and you know and do the the um, the voice back and whatever whatever Don did, right? That that was. You can still come out and do that, you know. But it doesn't mean anything anymore unless you want it to mean something. It doesn't mean anything to me, you know. It's sad that it went through that time. But we're not there no more, so I'm kind of glad that's past and beyond. But however, people do still think that way. But I'm also glad that we are actually much stronger and bigger and better than that, that we can overcome that and not let that bother us. And, and the only reason why I bring up um, about, uh, about gay rights and gay marriage and all that, I think that's great, because we've come a long way. But I still also think that there's a lot of people out there that are not for that, and they, they, look, they frown upon that among anything, anything and everything, whether if I want to dress a certain way or act a certain way, we also we now have our own voice to do that. So, right? Like for instance, that guy wants to be on his phone, you know, grinding it up. Hey, and doing a show, it's okay, grind it up, bro. You know, <laughs> do it. Yeah. Don't you got be yeah, proud, right? That's right, grind it up, be proud. <laughs> own it up, man. You gotta own it up. You know, where am I at on time? Uh, you're fine. I'm fine. I got a minute. Good segue. Like Something like that. <laughs> I'm a stand-up comedian, and I normally bring uh, something funny, but I don't. I felt like this was just something from my heart. Comedy, you know, I feel like this is just how I wanted to project this. I didn't want to come in a funny way, and maybe these days I'm not really feeling so funny. But it's okay. Good night. Yeah. Stay up here. All right, any questions for either one of us? Yes. Bring it. For who? For me. So you presented your argument very well. Thank you. But. But. I still, I mean, my question is what's the point of winning if you don't get to change the rules that made the whole system so fucked up in the first place? You have to uphold those same rules mm. and social mores that everybody's fighting to change. Okay, my my argument is basic. Yes, I chose to do it in a very provocative way because it uh, actually I will tell you that my inner Pearson Brown, when I question, <laughs> I don't endorse that. I, I'm just saying. Well, that's because it's my fucking inner Pearson Brown. When I question, do I want to go this direction with this particular argument, my inner Pearson Brown said, fucking go for it. This is art. I went, okay, I'm going to go for it. But my argument is not that identity politics as a method of change is bad, but as a campaign issue but, is disaster. But my point being, yeah. that, like, don't you think like probably somewhere and wherever the fuck he's gone for his three-year vacation, Obama's sitting in a room right now saying, man, I really wish I didn't extend executive power so much. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure he's saying, I wish I hadn't deported so many immigrants, and I wish I hadn't drone-struck a whole bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's probably doing that. But so, you know, like, the ends are the means, right? I disagree. And, that, and actually, I think that's a good point. I fundamentally disagree with the concept that the ends justify the means. I think that if we fight the way they fight, we're no different than them, regardless of our reasons. But that's my belief. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that is my belief, is that how we fight determines who we are. So is so. that what identity politics are about? We're fighting like they've been fighting for a century. But isn't it about who's allowed to fight and who's the fight, no. Represented by the fight? No, I don't think that's. I think that I think those people are represented regardless if the right people are fighting and they're fighting with the right message. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I this is my belief, and I have less than a minute. But I will say, we have to choose on the left whether we want to be right or whether we want to win. 
And if we can't make that, because we don't get both in politics in America against Donald Trump. Why not? Because it's Donald Trump. And if you missed what happened in 2016, then you've learned nothing. But that's my opinion. Let's get another question. Yes. Okay, so if, if the argument is... Is this for me or for Jimmy? I think for, for you. Oh, everybody's going to come after me. Okay, I knew it. 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 I'm glad you didn't give it that one. Yes, I, I fine. Yes. So first of all, I love Song of the South. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if, if the argument is, well, yes, identity politics are destroying the left, however, they were brought on by this, by, by Donald Trump and the right's rhetoric, mm -hmm. how, what would be a productive way for the left to attack and that without assimilating and, and taking on the identity politics as an issue. Wouldn't the right just say, oh, well, now you're just being racist, too? No. On literateape.com, here's my plug. On literateape.com, I wrote a very article about that very thing, wow. said, and it, basically the title of the article, as I believe, is what to do when a bigoted rapist is in charge of the show. <laughs> and my assessment is the first thing we have to do is ignore him. Ignore him, because the thing about it is Donald Trump is not a great politician. He is a master manipulator of media. And if you ignore what he says and focus on the issues, you take his power away. Second thing is focus on the Senate, because he might win. And if the Senate is still Republican, it doesn't fucking matter what we do, because Mitch McConnell's still in charge. Focus all our energy on flipping the Senate with money, with advertising, with everything, because we gotta flip the Senate. Because if he's still the president in 2020, and we still have a Republican Senate, we're fucked. Now, that doesn't mean it can't be undone. I understand the hyperbolic nature of, of, of the left saying, oh my God, if he becomes president for four more years, the world has ended, democracy is destroyed. No, because we've been here before. And if you know your history, which I, I criticize my younger compadres for not knowing their history, if you know their history, there have been far more racist men as president, president in our United States. We've been much worse places. The only difference is TV and reality TV and Facebook. That's the only difference. So those, those are my, and then, but ultimately I think you ignore him and you focus on flipping the Senate and you get someone in power that actually is looking out, again, it's, it's one of the things, no Democratic president in the history, like in the last 80 years has won with an argument of divisiveness. They've always argued unity. And if we wanna win, we gotta argue unity. And that's just my opinion. It's a, strat it's a strategic thing rather than a moral thing, and I understand anybody that thinks it's a moral thing. What about is unity No, I don't. No, actually, I don't. I don't think identity politics, as it is presented now on the left, is about unity. Not a chance. And if you think that, you're not reading the writing on the wall. It is about division without any question. It's an us versus them, and anybody that is presenting us versus them is the problem. And that means right and left. If it's us versus them on either side, you're part of the problem. That's my belief. Okay, any other questions? I have one for Jimmy. Thank God. <laughs> She's far more interesting than I am. Hey, so I uh, I enjoyed the fact that you came from a place of like as a, uh, a ethnic lady, mm -hmm. uh, and you know a lot of people don't really have the knowledge of like identity politics and cat. You know they don't have the, the language and everything. Um, when you were doing your research, did you like did it like change your mind on anything, or like were you just kind of like yeah, like that kind of it's it's in agreement with what I already think is like we should be nice to be. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, it was, uh, I've, I've already thought that way. It was just to, I knew what I, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, I already know this, but it was just uh, on a... It gave you the academic language. There you go. Yeah, I got yes. you. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and along those notes, it's one of the things that I love, and this is, I, I'm growing, 
Jimmy came in in April when we did our first bug house without knowing us, without knowing me, without knowing what the fuck was going on. Nailed it. Jimmy's a very, very funny stand-up. And this is the first topic that I gave her that was like <laughs> yeah. hardcore. Yeah. And I have nothing but a, 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 just a, I just want to say this and this shouldn't influence the vote, but maybe it will. Kevin, you're on, it's your vote, it's not our vote. But I really appreciate, because um, you could have gone funny, because you're very funny. But you went, I'm not gonna go funny, I'm gonna go from the heart. Yeah. And if there's anything I love about this show, it's that. I really love that. So, you rock, you rock, you rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Kevin, it is now up to you, and you may be unpopular, you may be very popular. Who won this debate? Um, I'm gonna go with Shimmy. Yes! Thank you, Shimmy. final topic of the night is the one that I know the lonely hearts. You guys are on a date? Is this a date? Are you like a regular couple? Is this just like a date? This like a date. This is just like a date. Okay. So this is going to be very important to the two of you because they're arguing which is better, the real life meetup or the online connection? Because we live in that age, and so you will be able to determine whether or not this date was faded or horseshit based on that argument, yeah? I don't get to decide, Kevin decides. Kevin decides, so you just, okay. it's the oligarchy, so you just gotta go with it. Kevin, yeah. we met you know? in real life, so keep that in mind. Okay, so you met online, so this is good. No, no, we met in real life. So, oh, you met in real life, okay, that's good. And that will be argued by Donald Hickey and Dana German. Before we get going here, because this is such an important topic, as we are on the precipice of war, with another Middle East country. Uh, I should, we'll probably be at war by the time this, these concerts happen, but I gotta say at the Bunkhouse, Black Lips, October 25th. If you don't have your tickets already, you're not going, so. And then, uh, oh, October 23rd is Neon Indian. I would also say the same thing. Uh, I hope these shows are outside, guys. This is gonna be pretty awesome. Uh, I'll be here, so that's good. Uh, i put these. Yeah, that's far more important than anything we're going to talk about. <laughs> In fact, yeah, I'll read the whole. I mean, the bunkhouse is, you know, sort of sponsoring this. And I got to tell you, I mean, Don Hall, are you are you fucking serious here? Online dating is this is this a topic? And you use me for this, dude? I mean, I listen, man. What what I even do is sort of enigmatic, like. I have seen some really big and weird shit on planet Earth. I have even seen planet Earth. I have, I have orbited planet Earth six times fully. Nice. Just fully. Oh, would you want to go through the entire Ryan party, everybody? The, <laughs> yes. Oh, look at, look at this. Part of my seven minute. Uh, who do I love here? Um, oh, portals are going to be here. Ingo Kid, Same Sex Mary, huge local show. Curl Up and Die, The Dirty Hooks. Oh, The Suffragettes is coming. August 6th, that's gonna be, I'll be here for that, I'm pretty sure. That's gonna be huge, that's gonna be huge. That'll be good. So, and, and really, and really and truly, in my, in my travels across the globe, I've seen some big and weird shit, none of which have to do with online dating, but I am worried that, kind of what we were talking about before, we're on the precipice of, of war, people. We really are, I'm, I'm truly worried about this. I don't know that people of my X generation can endure Another fucking Middle East war, right now. I'm, I right, Don. I mean, you know. Anyway. Still waiting for the online dating thing. Well, right. No, I know. And that's I'm using my time. And here's the thing. I am so confident. First of all, I'm going up against Dana German. And have you noticed, people, how she's avoided me tonight? Just like, woo, ice cold, right? She doesn't even. Normally, we're really like we're tight fist. Like, what up, girl? You know, none of that tonight. And then, and then. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just not that serious of a subject, but I mean, I'm not innocent of it. I've, I've done it. It is to them. Did you guys meet online? No, we met in real life. You met in real life, fair enough. So the other thing is, because I always win at rock, paper, scissors, at least 90% of the time, we decided I'm gonna go first, but I'm gonna argue this from the second point, from the second uh, debater, from the point of the second debate. Like, remember, Dana's already gone. And I'm just gonna argue this, right? Do it. 
So what Dana's going to talk about is some of the pitfalls of online dating. I mean, there is that disconnection. You don't really know who the person is until you meet them. Things can go wrong. Things can go really wrong, uh, as in R. Kelly wrong sometimes, as we, as we talked about earlier today. And oh, yes, they can. I've heard stories, but here's, but here's so I'm going to say that Dana's argument right off the bat isn't completely incorrect. However, completely saying that online dating is worse than meeting in real life is the same argument that people have about not having smartphones or social media. And I know people like, especially Gen Xers, they're Luddites. Those Gen Xer people, I refuse to have a Facebook account. Really? By the way, does this thing work when I, when I talk here? Yeah. Does this thing, it's the same thing, it's the same sound thing? That's the radio, that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's the production guy. So, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's fine. You don't want to have social media, it's fine. But I mean, you lose out, you lose out on certain realities of the 21st century. In fact, there are certain places you could work, certain very professional jobs, where if you do not have at least one serious social media account, you might not get that job. Like really, like serious jobs. Yeah. Yep, that's a reality. So it's just, you know, it's just how you want to live your life, but you cannot deny that it doesn't exist and it's not real and it can be used for good. That being said, not all online dating apps are the same. Tinder is the straight version, ish, straight-ish, no, everybody's a little bit gay. Everybody, everybody hears, everybody hears a little bit gay. One way or the other, some a whole lot gay, some a little bit gay. Uh, Tinder is the straight version of Grindr. How many people here know what Grindr is? Some people. If you think Tinder is where you're going to find your Mike Pence of life and have 10 God-fearing children, you are probably one of those Americans who thought the boardroom of The Apprentice was indicative of the way the White House was going to be run. That, you, the naivete of you all. Let's be real. We know what Tinder is. It's fine. You know, but when you travel across the world, like you, when you go to Europe, you know, they know what Tinder is. It's just whatever. Like, there's, nobody looks down upon you. Just, you know, it's fine. That's just how it is. Um, the thing is, though, there are other better sites. I mean, you have your eHarmonies, your OkCupid, things like that. And they do some interesting things, but one of the, the more interesting things to do to do with identity politics is they privately, in a very private way, open up dating avenues for certain marginalized people. Gay, LGBTQ, people who are swingers, who are open, poly, whatever, and for people who, leave, who live nomadic lifestyles, such as myself, a little bit. I'm here in town a lot. Um, who was it? Both of the other comedians both live in Chicago and L.A., right? Is it wrong? Jimmy uh, lives here. Terry lives in L.A. Terry lives in L.A. Chimmy. Okay, yeah. But you get what I'm saying, right? You can bounce around a little bit, and that's just a reality situation. And with the economy being what it is, people are choosing to not necessarily buy or rent a home and to travel around and work that way, work mobily. So how do you meet somebody if you're never in the same place? You know, so these things come in very handy, and nobody really wants to be alone, right? Um, and there's other things you can do too. A little bit of advice before I let it go. And really, we need to think about we can't go to war. This is going to be bad. But <laughs> there are things you can do online dating that are smart. Um, and I have to say that I have met a lot of people via online dating. And there are a handful of them, more than a handful, several that I would call friends. That maybe it didn't necessarily work out as a serious thing. We're a man on time. You're good. Just keep going. Just I'm keep. Gonna, I'm going to ring your bell in a minute. Okay. But then, yeah, you know, I've made some good friends even off of the dreaded Tinder. Uh, but there are things you can do to make dating online smarter and safer. One little thing I would throw out. If things don't work out, guys. <laughs> One thing I would do, if you meet somebody online, ladies, if you meet some, a guy online, friend him on Facebook for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Little hint, and you can kind of get a vibe of how that guy is. That's been done to me, and it worked out fantastically. That's all I have to say. I'm yeah. Donald Hickey, Las Vegas native, pilot, and a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs>
I think that it's really your, I mean, Kevin decides, but I think Kevin and you should guys like some sort of comments. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for the counter to that argument, Dana German, give her a hand. Happy to be here. Wash your brains out of all that. Don't take you talking about love as a job. Well, it's all work. I know that. Um, I know that. Intimately, true confession, I'm a porn star. Um, I'm a porn star. I did a couple of shoots, uh, and then I dated the photographer. Uh, before I met Don, I dated him after I got naked in front of the guy. You know, you know, gotta know what you're looking at. So, folks, this fact I use to wit, Dating itself is a joke, right? Vapid, shallow, like porn, somehow predictable. <laughs> Online dating, however, and it's not a negligible amount of Americans, according to Yarn and it's like 20% of Americans use a, a dating app of some sort. Um, Online dating is like agreeing to have that joke played on you at your expense. Like, who has that kind of time? Uh, how many hours have you devoted to a computer screen scouring for a mate? A single date, a whole day of your life traded for a couple hours at a bar? I mean, is it worth it? I hope so. Uh, and even if they don't start out that way, um, real life, real time interactions eventually must go digital. Um, and engage in things like texting and email to keep going after a while. And so that leaves us with kind of this notion that there's a, a bit of a purity and a significance to initially meeting for the first time without those encumbrances in place. And you know a bit about the story of Don and I. So, you know, here's what he did. The day after we met, he sent me an email and was like, hey girl, I want to date you. And that was direct as hell. Four months later, we were fucking hitched. Like, you know, maybe you don't want that in a mate. You want a little bit of song and dance, a little mystery. That's cool. Um, you know, and all this loaded relationship talk is like hard to do when you're even the slightest bit unsure. Or you find that you like someone so much, it's kind of intimidating you. I actually think Donald had a really good point. Like, friend him on Facebook for a while and see what happens. But, you know, I'm about to be 40 next year. Ugh. And thinking about like actively dating, being in my 20s now, uh, and diving into this gene pool exchange, uh, kind of pool party of shame that is online dating. It's like, I don't envy y'all this. I don't. Um, but you know, sincerely, sometimes you gotta, if you are dating, you gotta remind yourself why you're doing this, and you have to, like, take yourself on a date. You have to stop interacting with, interacting with the rejection machine, the computer, the phone, and take yourself out. Um, and, you know, who knows what might happen. The point is, there's so much goddamn runaround we could either, you know, dish out or take, or both, that even if you don't know what you want, if you can like find a way to kind of jump in with both feet, both hands, head, heart, all that raw risk of dropping pretense and that resulting feeling, the freedom that it affords of just not giving a fuck, it's indescribable. So currently I'm reading a book called um, Trip, Psychedelics, Alienation and Change by Tao Lin, better poet than a, a nonfiction writer, uh, unfortunately. But in this book, he chooses to invoke and reference uh, Dr. Terence McKenna, which if you're familiar with this guy um, and his work, Icon of Psychobiology and Lecture on Psychedelics. The primary takeaway of McKenna's work is the idea of unique, unique and pure, direct experience, that your own five senses and your life are paramount. As combined forces, they'll show you everything you need to know. The trick is getting around meaning and kind of just listening to this input. And maybe that listening is called intuition or something. But considering 
that worldview turns out, yes, just like conservative, pun conservative pundit holes love to say, we are all snowflakes. We're all beautiful, unique snowflakes. Do I want to be a snowflake? A magnificent machine of multiple complexities dashing across infinite mediums that comprise the world? Fuck yeah, I do. Why the hell not? A snowflake is an unflappable expression of possibility. A snowflake is unadulterated, self-nourishing agent. But also, no, snowflakes are born of nothing in one place and melt down to nothing in another, and we're not special. And to live amongst that strange continuum is to never be solved, to be plagued by cycles, getting together, breaking up, replication, deviation, desire, more, much more, all of it. All these elements then social media takes, dating sites are of course social media, as we know, and they use them to perpetuate themselves. Okay, there's a reason why there's so much of them. Much of capitalism, much as capitalism uses money as kind of like a meme machine, meme vehicle to pig piggyback itself neatly onto society. So social media, frankly, then is tantamount to vampirism. It has attached itself to us and it takes from us. And some of you aspiring slaves may be interested in living forever, not something a snowflake is really equipped to do. Alas, if I can help it, I care not to re-render myself as one of the digitally undead. So, who wants to date someone who can't put their phone down? Joke, because I'm reading off of my phone. Um, however, if you really are lonely tonight, lonely arts, and you are genuinely out there looking, seeking, yearning for true love, there is an app, and when you use it, someone will come to your house every time. They even show up bearing gifts. You guessed it, Uber D. Good night. Yeah! All right, stand here. Donald, come on up. Where you at, Donald? Do we have any questions for our two debaters about? Is it getting a cocktail? They're just getting a cocktail. Any questions about the disparity between online dating and in real life? Any questions? Ooh. Hold she knew on, it was a serious again, topic. Again, I have to criticize you. Are you asking the people if they have a, a question about what is online and what is real? No, I'm asking a question yeah, about... online and what's real? Oh, Jesus Christ. We're not in the fucking Matrix, okay? Maybe we are, but we're not right now. Right now, we're not in the Matrix. I'm asking a question. Maybe has a question a for either you one. Tell me, or it's entrapment. Either one of these folks. <laughs> <laughs> this cocktail is real. Any questions, Anthony? You got any questions? I'm saying I have a question. All right. Yes. Okay. Uh, my name is Kristen. Yes, it is. Wow. So, um, so you were kind of saying that like online dating has its merits if you're nomadic, and you're kind of saying that like for real love, online dating doesn't really like have its merits, but, so do you think it is pretty dependent on what you're looking for? Like if you want true love, then is that what the debate is about? Or if you just want like a temporary connection, is online dating better? So this is for both of you, yeah. so each have a minute to answer the question. Kristen, we're here for you. Um, <laughs> Are we friends again? It's all about, it's all about what you want, and, and, and I think you should take the best of what you, you can pick and choose, okay. you know? Because as much as Kevin gets to decide here now, you get to decide in your heart right. every day, all the time. Direct experience. If you live a nomadic lifestyle, it is, it is very likely that it isn't necessarily up to you to have lived that lifestyle. Right. Some people do, they're lucky to do that. Uh, for me, it's not the case. If I don't live that lifestyle, I, I become unemployed and homeless. Um, so it, it is the reality of my, of my nature. So I have to find a balance between uh, dating in Las Vegas, which has actually, even when I was here all the time, been epically miserable, except for <laughs> one and a half uh, moments in my life. Uh, but uh, generally, yeah, uh, I, I don't find that the, you know, I, I, I'm using Metamatic Lifestyle to, to reach out, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I don't use it for necessarily one night stands, I guess. Um, but but more more to meet quality people. Like I said, I actually have a handful of friends yeah. who who I'm still friends with now. That you know we've, we've sort of moved past the dating point, and yeah. Okay. So yeah. Cool. 
Any other questions? Kevin, yes. who wins this debate? Uh, this is complicated. This is complicated. Why yeah. is it complicated, Donald? Yeah. We're at the press with Well, because you both have very, very good points, and I think Kevin has a, a difficult choice to make. So, so let's hear what Kevin's your thoughts are, off. Kevin. Yeah, so um, first of all, great arguments by both of you. Donald, uh, maybe less war next time. Uh, but, uh, Dana, a little worried, Kevin. Dana, I'm going to have to give it to you. Dana, German wins the thing. Let's give all six, myself including the six, of our performers a big hand. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're gonna need all six performers to come up so we can take a, a selfie, you know, so we can do it. Um, thank you to the Bunkhouse Saloon. Give them a hand. Tips are better than just you feeling good about yourself. Tips pay the bills, so fucking tip your server. Tip your bartender, come on. That, he takes Venmo. Um, most important thing I can say is thank you very much. Our next bunkhouse, bug house, will be April 19th. I hope you ultimately, uh, August, August, sorry. I've had a few drinks, what can I tell you? Um, but it's August 19th. I will tell you that, uh, that your word of mouth, your recommendation to other people if you enjoy the show, is more valuable than anything you can give us. So make sure you let people know. This is a cool show if you liked it. Again, if you like the show, the hat's right there. You can throw any amount of dollars you would like to. We'd very much appreciate it. It pays our writers. Give everybody up here a big hand. Yeah, thank you very much and have a great night. <laughs>